You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Boys, girls, it, them, they, she, shall, whatever. LBGTQ, XYZ, yes. We don't discriminate against anybody here. Well, we might, but we're equal opportunity discriminators. That's right. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna discriminate against you. I may call you an idiot, but you know, <laughs> we're equal opportunity. Behind your back. We're yeah, yeah. We're equal opportunity offenders. Yeah, we'll do it behind your back. I'll call it to you. I'll yeah, call we'll it to your face. Your yeah, if you say something stupid, I'm gonna call you out on it. And I expect you to do the same for me. <laughs> I say something that's untrue or you don't agree with. By all means, send me an email, Roger at America's Web Radio yes, dot com. Yes, I'd love to hear. Some I'd love to get some hate mail. <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> but uh, actually, we touched on this last week briefly, but there was a story going on this summer, I think it was, when uh, BLM protesters were running rampant through most of the big cities in the United States and wrecking havoc, destroying property, burning police cars, destroying businesses. And there was one neighborhood in Missouri where they crashed through a steel gate destroyed the steel gate, got into this private gated community, and were marching toward, I want to say it was the mayor's house or governor's house or something like that. It was the mayor's house in a city in Missouri. And there was a pair of people, the McCloskeys, I believe I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but anyway, Mark and Patricia. Mark and Patricia McCloskey were there, and they saw these people marching through their streets after they broke in through a steel gate. They didn't just come walking down the street. They were breaking and entering, marching through, telling these people they were going to take their houses, they were going to hurt their pets, they were going to sleep in their bedrooms, they were going to kill them. So they came out of their house, Mark with his AR-15, and Patricia with her little, I think, a three eighty pistol. And they're like, you know, go ahead, set foot on our property and see what happens. And, of course, the prosecutor in this case decided, oh, my God, they threatened these people. It was terrible. He failed to mention, he failed to notice, of course, that they were breaking and entering and trespassing when all this happened. But the latest development here is actually, it's a good one. This is in St. Louis. And, and they didn't shoot anybody. They just brandished the weapons, which usually is all it takes. If somebody doesn't have guns and you do, usually show them a weapon and things are going to usually diffuse very quickly. They're usually not going to sit there and uh, try and tempt you with that. Of course, there's the occasional moron who decides, oh, yeah, you, you, you won't shoot me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just can't help but think, why would you even say that? It's like telling a two-year-old, don't do that. And the, what's the first thing he's going to do? Exactly what you tell him not to. You tell somebody, you're not going to shoot me. They're going to shoot you just to show you just they will. Just to show you they can. That's right. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> no, but you're wrong. Apparently, Mark McCloskey's weapon was not loaded, and Patricia McCloskey's weapon was not even functional. It had parts removed or put in backwards so it would not fire. It was used as a courtroom prop. So it wasn't even a gun. That wasn't even live. And he didn't have his... Now, that's new information to me. I heard his gun was... You know, he did not have it, one in the chamber. It was not loaded. Well, it was loaded, he may have but had, not one in the chamber. He may have had one or? in the magazine, but not okay. in the chamber. Or he had a magazine with him that was loaded, but the magazine in it was not loaded. Wow. It was ve- basically they were threatening them with weapons that would not have been very effective if it if push came to shove. They were threatening them with clubs. Yes, pretty much. Say. She had a rock and he had a club. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and like I say, 
Now, when the uh, prosecutor took their we- they they asked him to give up their weapons so they could be inspected or checked or whatever. And when they took hers apart, they fixed it. They put it back together properly so it would fire and then charged her with a crime of brandishing a weapon. So they altered evidence in order to prosecute. prosecute. But now the governor of Missouri has pardoned the McCloskeys of all the crimes related to the standoff with the BLM protesters. So, Because I I think he would have looked at this and said, you know, if this goes to court, we're going to look like a laughing stock. This is going to look ridiculous. This is going to be crazy. We don't need we don't need this kind of publicity. Even though they say no publicity is bad publicity, this would be bad publicity. Yep. <laughs> but the McCloskeys would love this. But anyway, so they got pardoned of all crimes for that little standoff they had. So now we just got to do something with uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. I don't know where that case is at right now. I need to lo- look into that. He needs to be pardoned also, although he ended up killing two people. But apparently they were coming after him, trying to bash his brains in, trying to kill him first. So, you know where I come from? If someone tries to kill you, you try and kill him right back. <laughs> yeah, I learned. You know, even in martial arts where, where they teach, always emphasize. Tolerance. Oh, absolutely. Compassion. Tolerance and walk away, walk away, walk away. Patience. Until you, until you can't walk away. Right. But they also taught us. If somebody threatens your life or takes one one motion towards you, you end it. It is on like Donkey Kong. You end it. That's right. You end it. <laughs> That's and, right. Because um, it's funny that I remember uh, this is uh, this is something that was asked in class. Someone asked, "How long should a fight last?" And this <laughs> one guy sparks up and goes, 30 seconds." And I'm thinking, 30 seconds? If you're dancing around for 25 seconds, maybe." But <laughs> so then the instructor made him go over in front of a bag and punch and kick it for 30, 30 seconds. seconds. That's great. He did it till his arms were jello and yeah. he couldn't move anymore. That's a great lesson. So I was great like, you know lesson. what? That should be a rodeo ride. Eight seconds max. Yeah, max. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely true. Ideally, it's two hits. You hitting him, him hitting the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Done. The only time, uh, especially to a, a, a highly trained martial artist, um, the only time it's going to go past more than a few seconds is if you're listening and and allowing the person or trying to talk your way out of it. You know, well, we, that's we, that's we, not we a fight were, at that point. That that's a right, discussion, right, a debate, a debate, an, ar- an argument. <laughs> but that's even? what I'm saying. You know, we were taught. I mean, I was taught for years. You you walk away. You talk. You discuss. You walk away. You do everything you can. Well, the best way to win a fight is not the best way to win a fight is not to be there. Is not to be there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I you know it's it's so so true. And and it took me a while because understand when I got into martial arts I was 11, 12 years old. So I got really quickly. I got a very good at fighting. At the same time, I got into my teenage years and as a teenager you don't really want to hear well walk away or or it's or hard to take get, that stance yeah, especially because you lose face real as quickly a in high school you're thinking no 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 i gotta buck up i gotta fight i gotta i can't lose faith i can't you know all this but i will tell you it it, it was it, it was a few bruises and 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 getting the crap beat out of me from the instructors later that yeah I but at least learned. it was instructors and not right. somebody else but i quickly learned okay this is a good. This is true. What they're saying. Right. Walk away when you can. Uh, just do whatever you can to. to well, in to a fight, stop a fight. 
You but end it if you have you to. You win whenever you can, lose only if you must, but always cheat. <laughs> in a fight. In a fight. In a fight, you know? And yeah, if you yeah, find yeah. yourself in a fair fight, your tactics are awful. Oh, right. You're in a fair fight and something's awful. <laughs> you want an um, advantage every way you can possibly find it when it comes to a fight. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And that then that was their message. If you do, our, my instructor would say, well, all the instructors would tell us all the time, if you start a fight, it will be worse for you when you get back to this dojo and we learn about it. Because you have to defend your decision. Yeah. Because if you get in a fight that you didn't start and you're defending yourself and you lose, then we're going to have a good discussion here when you get back. He said, you're going to lose twice. Yes. He said the only thing we better hear is that if you were attacked or, or whatever, you couldn't get out of the fight, is that you ended it. That's, that's right, quickly we, and effectively. Quickly and effectively, yeah. You just, yeah. And, and that's this, what we did. <laughs> that's the hardest thing to train for is to avoid hesitation. Yeah, oh, very much so. That's one thing very we worked on a lot. You know, just something happens, boom, strike, 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 boom. And then, very much so. And then you, then you hesitate. After you get in three if, or four good hits, then you can stop and assess. If, if you're training right now in the martial arts and you're only taught to do one blow, <laughs> then you need to go find another school. Right. Because, Roger, you're 100% right. We were taught once that tipping point was tipped, once that person made an advance towards you, and, and I don't mean you have to let them hit you. I mean, if, take they, a swing. if they come at you with any kind of swing or object or anything, that's it, you end it. And you end it with a fury of blows. And, and in my case, and this is what I try to explain to people in some of the speeches that I give, I'm all of five foot three, so everybody's pretty much as taller and bigger than me. So when I, if if it comes to blows for me, I've got to hurt you, and I don't, and I try, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, you have to do it quickly I, and effectively. Exactly. You you have to. It's just like when you're in a gunfight. Mm-hmm. You if someone comes at you with a weapon or gun, and you have to shoot them, you don't stop shooting until they are down until or they down. drop their weapon. Yeah. Yeah. You don't just shoot them once and go look and go, are you okay? Uh, you still got that gun in your hand? No. No, no. There's a reason it's called double tapping. That's right. Double tap or, um, or, or triple, triple tap. Triple or quad tap. Because if they're two, holding that gun, you unload. Two to the chest, one to the head. <laughs> that's right. And one to the groin for good measure. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but you yeah. know, that's how we did it in martial arts, at least for me. Um, I had a hell of a front kick, but I had to. Yeah, because you needed I, that extra distance, I bet. Yeah, well... Because if was, you were going head-to-head yeah. head with somebody with longer arms, you'd yeah. have a really tough time trying to get those blows in. Absolutely. And let me tell you something. I had a front kick that could take your knee out and then take your groin out. And well, that's, then, and well, front kick's very effective out. at making distance, too. You kick front kick somebody in the yeah. chest, you've got a little more time because they get kicked back if they fall down. Yeah, but you got to understand, me to hit chest, I had, that had to be a flying okay. front kick for me. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But yeah. You give them a good front kick, though, and chances are you put them off balance. That, yeah. That's enough to give you some time. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And then if they realize, oh, what are we doing here? This is not a good idea. Well, I it, should stop. In my experience, I mean every experience I've had with fighting, um, once I once the, the attacker or my opponent saw that I wasn't going to back down and that I was coming at them, almost 100% they backed off. They, right, because most people, most and most normal people, don't want to fight. Yeah, you know, yeah. unless they're training for that and it's in a sports it's, situation, that's different. Right, right. But it's only it, the drunk morons who who you could smack in uh, the face and anywhere else, <laughs> and they still try to come at you. Yeah, and well, stupid is like, as stupid break. does. <laughs> yeah, you're going to end up with a broken. You're going to a broken knee, a broken something, because that I have to do that. If I yeah. stop advances because of my height. Yeah, I'm going to be breaking stuff on you. Yeah, see, I have an advantage. I'm a little taller, so I can throw an elbow to the yeah, face exactly. pretty easy. 
Kidding. The best fight I ever saw was the guy, this bigger guy and a smaller guy, and the smaller guy put his hands up, open-handed up, whoa, 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 whoa. And then he took one step towards the guy and punched him right in the face <laughs> and ran. <laughs> but he just gave the no, 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 no. He threw his hands yeah. up like he was surrendering and then punched the guy in the face and, and took off. Him, and it, it, it dis- <laughs> he fell down, and then by the time he got up, the guy was the long gone. <laughs> Hey, I was like, know, that was brilliant. That's a good tactic, right? You know, there. it's just because you, you, you take somebody off guard by throwing yeah. in, no, 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 it's okay, yeah. it's okay. Boom, and then bam. And then bam. And clearly, he didn't have the confidence to, to be in the fight, but he had the smarts to, to well, use diversion. He was using what it took and, to get uh, out of it yeah, without yeah. having to yeah, do anything absolutely. more. Nothing wrong with that. Best way to win a fight, <laughs> don't be there when it happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he did a perfect thing with that. You know, it's the old boxing and martial arts adage. If you don't want to get hit, don't be there when the punch comes. That's right. right. Don't I mean, let it land. Yeah. All right, got to take a break for a quick minute. Thanks. We'll stand, stand by. We'll be right back. This is America's Web Radio, and you're listening to Locked and Loaded. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. This is Roger B. on Locked and Loaded with my special guest, Victor Armendariz. For at least another five minutes. But, I, you know, Roger, apparently we've struck a chord. We've got some listeners that are loving our conversation about fighting and martial arts and things. And had a Self-defense. It's self-defense. self-defense. Yes, and that goes right. hand in hand with the Second Amendment, by the way, because, Roger, you and I are too old to fight. And that's why we carry guns. But for not to. <laughs> that's right. But we've got a great listener out there in Brookhaven. Uh, who just chimed in and said that uh, he was always taught. He was also a martial artist. Trained he by. Was, he, was, he was taught to always be compassionate. So much so, so much compassionate did he show when he was in a fight that once he incapacitated the the, the <laughs> He helped him up? No, he called the ambulance for him. Oh, there now you go. that's compassion, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go, man. Martial artists are very compassionate. Yeah. We'll call the ambulance that's for you. That's right. If you're dumb enough to keep fighting. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I learned my martial arts from a monk, so you can imagine <laughs> compassion was a yeah, big part. It's a big, big part of it. And, and he and, wanted and, you and to be calm, be be yeah. calm until it was time not, not to be. be. You know the you know it. And be you, nice. Be until it's not. Until it's time not oh, to be Oh, we know. Nice. You don't know. I'll tell you. You don't know. We will tell you. <laughs> well, here you're going to have to learn how to know. But you do learn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there were some bad apples in martial arts, and, and, I, and our instructors would kick them out. 
You know, if they if they found if they had a student that was out as soon as they heard they were out abusing their what they had learned. Oh yeah, and uh, and starting fights, they'd get kicked out of the dojo. Where they'd I went, you out. actually had to be interviewed before they let you in. They'd they said, "Why do that. you want to? Yeah. Why do you want to learn?" My martial arts. If mine was because this guy, I was this guy at school. I want to beat up. Mm, you're not. You're not yeah, the kind of. You're not the kind of guy. I was need. 11, 12 years old, and they and they and I had to freaking go through an interview to be to, yeah to go on. That's how. But I was in a a strictly Japanese uh, martial arts school that that, that yeah, had see. a lot of uh, tradition, Eastern philosophy, traditional influence. Right. Even even a a kung fu type. Influence. Right. Well, the uh, Kung Fu, yeah, is one of the oldest right, ones. Right, it And is, a lot yeah. of them come from that. Exactly, absolutely. But they, they have, I remember going in, and they, they even the littlest kids there, they'd have the word of the week, mm-hmm. whether it was compassion, honor, integrity, right. always some word that made you learn something and, and made you a better person right. if you learned to define learn. the word and know what it meant. That's so true. In fact, in most martial arts mm-hmm. schools, I know yours, I know mine, uh, there were there were the commandments of the of the dojo. Right, you had to read they the little the mantra right before yeah. you start, and at we the end, we had to memorize it. Yeah, we had it before yeah. and after. You had to recite that, yeah. and it told you: be respectful, be mm-hmm. be calm, don't, absolutely. and basically, don't fight unless you absolutely have to. Last resort. Yeah, always a last resort. Um, but yeah, there's so many good lessons. I, I encourage everyone out there if you've got a kid. Put them in martial arts. Find a good martial arts. Good school. Arts. Yeah, that's the thing. Not, Find not a good the, school that yeah. teaches you some tradition. It's yeah. not just all about fighting. Right. It's not about the money. If you go to a martial arts school <clears> and they show you a chart, if you pay this much by this time, you'll get this belt, walk away. You find a martial arts school that, that won't promise you anything <laughs> except lessons. Well, I'll tell you what. My kung fu school was a nonprofit. No, to give you an better. idea, so <laughs> that you shows go. you how much he was interested in money. I mean, he wanted to keep the place running yeah. and, and up and running, but he wasn't in it to make money. Right. Now, I went to a Krav Maka school for a couple of weeks, and that was all about fighting. There was yeah, no. Well, it's very hand to hand. That's military style. Yeah, that was uh, like a military, military style yeah. training for those guys who have to have it and have right. no. But it did teach you to not that's hesitate. A good, that's a good thing to learn, though. Yeah, I like was, Krav Maga. It was impressive Great. how much you learn, how fast, mm-hmm. and you basically. It was like, and it was never one or two punches. It was you keep going mm-hmm. until you can't go anymore. You, until yeah. you can't lift your arms. You, <laughs> then you're done. <laughs> then you're done. Yeah, Krav Maga is very good if if you don't want to take the time to learn history and to learn a lot of the mental aspects. Well, if you're of an adult arts, and hopefully you're a good person, right? If then you may not down, need yeah. the other part. But, but if you you're a child, learn. go to karate or kung fu. Yeah. Learn the traditional right. ways. I agree. But if you're an adult and you just want, you need to learn some self defense. Krav Maga. Is great. Assuming you already have good moral if you character. If you got good moral character, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, you got good character. Now, kids, they need to learn good moral ca- character, so don't. Absolutely. I would not let them take a Krav Maga class unless they had it specially geared toward yeah. kids. Yep. But the the Eastern fighting styles are the best when it comes to teaching tradition and oh, without a doubt, and, without and good morals. Absolutely, and and I mean I. You know, I, people will joke about me in, in whatever aspect, whether it's a soccer field or or in, in other competitive sports. You know, I've always, for a long time, people have said, "Gosh, you never get mad, or you don't get ma- angry, and why not?" And 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 I know it comes from my training. Yeah, I've had somebody tell me that. In fact, just recently somebody said, I've never seen you get angry. (laughs) It's like, well, one thing about when I get angry, I get quiet. So you're not going to notice as much. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, but think about how much energy it takes to be angry. I mean, that's energy. Refocus that. Yeah, use it for something positive. When you learn how to refocus, Roger, you said it best. 
when you learn how to refocus that anger into some positive energy, your life will change on a dime. Plus, what is one of the first things they teach in martial arts? Never fight angry. Angry. Never. Never fight angry. If you fight, fight angry, angry, you make mistakes. And when you that's make right. mistakes, you lose. That's right. That's right. Never fight angry. That's one of the that's first a, rules yeah. you learn in a fight. That's why you'll see, you know, and, and I will, and this wasn't just the movies, folks, but Bruce Lee. If you watch this guy, you know, Bruce Lee had a He'd sense kick of your humor. ass with a smile. With like a smile on his face. He, during the fight, he would entice you. He would, he would, yeah. And that's the thing. You do it with a smile on your face. That's when you know you've mastered Well, that's like one more. of the classic scenes I love to bring up is the scene from The Matrix when he's first fighting uh, Morpheus. Right. And Morpheus goes in there and he's, he's just, he's calm as he can be. He's like, he's not moving much. Mm-hmm. And he's got the, he's got the other guy just swinging away, getting all angry, get upset because he can't yeah. hit anything. Well, and then he stops and he just eggs him on again. Come on, yeah, let's go. Come on, let's go. Well, you, you under, uh, Roger, you will understand this. If you let anger get the best of you, especially in a fight, you're going to tire yourself out really fast. Well, yeah, because that adrenaline will burn your energy oh, yeah. up in a hurry. It will burn it out in a in a heartbeat. And so when you're out there frailing around because you're so angry, by the time a, a martial artist like one of us, we'll just sit back and let you lose that energy. Yeah, and you have to learn and to control your adrenaline, too, because yeah. that, no, that burns up time. energy quickly. And granted, you can't always help it because in a fight, your body tends to have certain things happen. Yeah. You're... Your fine motor skills tend to diminish some. Mm-hmm. You tend to lose some peripheral vision. But right. you have to learn to control that. And it's hard because you can't train for that as much. Because you can't put yourself in a real threat situation. Right. And that's what we always were taught and what I always taught is, no, mm-hmm. I, I can sit here with you uh, every, five days a week, every day, uh, every week, and teach you what you need to know. And you can practice, practice, practice. But a real-life situation I can't tell you how that's going to go, and right. nor can you. You can't think of how it's well, going to go. Well, the more that's training you have, the more instinct takes oh, of course, over, of course. which makes it so you don't have to what, think about what to do next. What you want and the reason why people would ask me in high school all the time, why do you spend all your time at martial arts? Why do you go every night? You should be playing high school events or stuff like that. And, and, I, and it was because every the more I practice – the more second nature it became. Right. So I knew when I got into situations, the body's going to take over, your training's going to take over. I still didn't know how it would go to, to get in the real situation, but I had the confidence that my body knew what to do. Well, it's do. just like anything, whether you're driving, riding a motorcycle. Yeah. The more experience you have, the mm-hmm. less likely you are to make a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I had read an article once about riding motorcycles, and they said in so many situations, there were motorcyclists who something would pull out in front of, in front of them and they would steer right into right it. Right into it. <laughs> because yeah. they didn't mm-hmm. – because most people understand that, that, well, hopefully they understand what counter-steering is. Mm-hmm. But they don't practice it. Right. And so they tend to just, right. oh, they steer away from it, and that steers them right steer into what right they're into trying to avoid. It. Yeah, and, and people get white-knuckled, mm-hmm. too, where, where yeah. they, they get into a dangerous situation, their eyes pop open, and they freeze. Or target and fixation they, and, where they just follow the guy in front of them. And they, exactly right. And, and yeah. that – um, that's so true, so true. But that's the kind of stuff you learn through training. And then that's why when people would ask, why do you train so much back those days? Because I would train every day or just about every day. Well, that's uh, like the same that's thing because, with guns, that's though. There's a video out yeah. there, and I don't, I can't show videos on, on the air. But there's a guy, and I tell people this. I take anybody shooting, and I say, okay, you're going to shoot. These hot shells are flying out of the gun. One may go down your shirt. It may get stuck between <laughs> yeah. your glasses and your face. I've had so it happen. Had, oh, everybody's had it happen. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, it's not when it happens. It's, it's what you do. Yeah. And I tell everybody, okay, if you if this happens to you, 
put the gun down yeah, first, first, first. And dance as much as and you want to. Do the hot shell <laughs> yeah, dance. Yeah. Get it out of there. You, you either do <clears throat> exactly. You do. You put the gun down immediately and you dance around like Roger said, or you just suck it up and you and you just or, you absorb know, or, that. Well, you burn. notice where it is. You flick it off. You get rid of it and yeah, you can move. Right. Because by panicking, you're not going to yeah. get it off any yeah, quicker. Yeah, you don't want to panic. And and honestly, it's it's some good training when it happens. I think I mentioned this last week about the guy who shot himself in the face when he got a hot shell go down his shirt. Yeah, because he. Because he's trailing around with his gun, with his gun in his hand, <laughs> and he's waving around trying, to, and he put yeah. it, he shot it right, right, right through no. his cheek. I think he went right through his face. Lucky he didn't put it through his brain. Yeah, that was. Oh my gosh, I was yeah. like, oh my god, put, I'm thinking, I, I'm watching this I, go. Put the gun down. Put the gun. Yeah. See, that's where training comes in so much. Like you said, Roger, training, training, and even with martial arts. <laughs> Because when that happened to me for the first time, I sucked it up and took the burn because I immediately my my mind was, well, I've got the gun in my hand and I'm shooting down range. I am not going to move because I don't want to shoot somebody else. I don't want right. to shoot the person next well, it to me. On where it lands. I'll take the burn. <laughs> yeah, like I said, if it lands on your arm or on your yeah, you know, somewhere we can. Just oh, I had off. it go down my shirt. Oh, it yeah. went down the shirt and it stuck the worst there. Worst like, I ever had was one that between my glasses and my face. So oh, I put I've the had, gun down. Had to rip the glasses. I've had that happen too. <laughs> that and sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Put the gun down and then I grab. But you're, you're still you're, you're you're taking the burn though because a yeah. lot of people will panic and, and use the gun in their hand to try and try take their glasses, glasses off. Yeah, that's uh, and right. that's just bad news. Whatever burn that shell is going to do is going to be way less damaging <laughs> than a bullet yes. through your face, absolutely, <laughs> or through the ceiling or through your partner next door. Yeah, have you ever had that happen, David? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who's ever shot a pistol has had that happen. I some bet point. Dave, I wouldn't. I just figured David would have some stories about getting brass burned. <laughs> <laughs> even rifles, happens. though. Yeah. Yeah. Even rifles, yeah. though, they'll yeah. clunk, clunk. Yeah. Especially when you're shooting next to somebody and that shell oh, comes clunking yeah. you. Even if it doesn't burn, they clunk you in the side of the earphone or something. You're like, hey. Easy. That's true. And and you know, Roger, you would know this better than anyone when you shoot next to me. Sometimes I shoot your target. Yeah. And then you can't figure out why you're shooting so bad. <laughs> We've actually done that, David. Shoot the other person. Oh yeah, we were at the range one time, and Roger and I'm just sitting there, and, and or standing there, and I'm working Roger's on a perfect group. Oh, he's got his group and going great. And he's pulling the paperback. This is great. And he puts the paperback, and as soon as he fires, I fire, and I stand, I'm firing over, and just I am messing up his his targeting. And the thing kind of he pulls the paperback, and he's like looking at his gun, he's looking at his sights, wondering what's going on, and I'm laughing my ass off at yes. the stall next to him. <laughs> <laughs> well played prank on your part. It was fun, fun. And then fun. I caught you guys laughing and went, "Okay, well, yeah, something's then, up there." Yeah, <laughs> couldn't stop. Yeah, we couldn't stop laughing. But, but, yeah. but anyway, you need to get back to some gun stories. Yeah, but uh, like I say, even with guns, though, you know, don't panic, and you you practice because you want to make it instinctual. Mm-hmm. There was a there's a oh there's a good video of a guy who's trying. He didn't have his gun loaded. We well, had it loaded, but not racked. Mm-hmm. And he draws his weapon, and he's trying to rack it while he's being robbed. And it's mm. like, you know, yeah, so that didn't another, work out well. Yeah. So the guy who was robbing him shot him shot and the other him. guy who was there. <laughs> you know? Man. Because he wasn't prepared. I mean, yeah. if you're going to carry a gun without one in the chamber, you need to be prepared to learn to draw that weapon and rack that slide back At the instinctually. Same time. And it's got to be instinctual. Absolutely. And not having um, to go, oh, wait, how do, let's switch yeah, hands or do right. this. No. And, and my advice to you, if, to people, anyone out there, Look, I get it if, if you don't want to chamber it in certain areas, but you've got to be smart enough to know when you get into certain – you need to be very heightened on situational awareness, which I think 
everyone should learn situational awareness. Oh, yeah. But when you get into an area, you need to be aware of, okay, I should probably chamber this now. Yeah, or at least have practiced <laughs> over and over oh, and yeah. over again. There was yeah. a guy, I was once, I was a range safety officer for a while, and there was this guy, he was, I don't know exactly what he did, he was some sort of contractor or mercenary mm. or whatever he was, and he was working for, he said he'd done some work with the Israeli army, and they do not allow their soldiers to carry chambered if they're not in an active combat situation. <laughs> yeah, I've heard but that. What they teach them is to draw and rack at Same almost time. simultaneous. That yep. gun comes out, it racks, it and by the time it's yep. pushed forward, it's yep. racked and ready to go. I've seen it done by some professionals, and I've, I've worked he, on that, too. He it's was amazing. Doing it. He was yeah. fast. I, I work on that myself, because I, there are places where I probably won't chamber where I go, but... Um, Right, that's it was key. funny because he would draw that thing and have it chambered yeah. before it was fully extended in his that's arm. Awesome. I was like, wow. And yep. he was practicing that over and over and yep. over again. And I thought, that's how you get good enough to where you can carry it like Absolutely. That. Absolutely. That's if what you're, it takes. If you're pulling the gun, you might have to use it, and you better have a chamber yeah. and ready to go. But there was that video the guy who was yeah. sitting there fumbling with his gun because he didn't have it racked, and he was trying to get it racked so he could shoot yeah, it. And, and then, just, then he got nervous. And, his, and the other guy knows. apparently had his gun already racked. Already so racked. The yeah. burglar or robber. Had his gun already racked, so he ended up getting him and his whoever it was there in the store with him got shot. Mm. And it's like you know, yeah, that's something where he if he had it to do over again, I bet he would have done it differently. I bet he would have done it different. <laughs> yeah, he probably would have had that gun racked. And I don't think he was wearing it. I think it was either under the counter or somewhere nearby, oh, so he wow. could have had it racked. So he should have been should unless have been he was afraid of whoever else was working there, didn't want anybody yeah. else touching it or something like that. That's but, true. But you know, if you're carrying a gun. They- if it's not loaded, it's a club. It's a club. Yeah, it's a club. <laughs> and if it's a pistol, it's a rock. I mean, you can throw it at the oh, assailant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's got a little weight to it. All <laughs> right, we're going to have to take one more quick break. We'll be back after this. Thanks for listening. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. 
Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Next Hello, time, this is Roger B. <laughs> this is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we were talking about situational awareness. We were talking about training. We were talking about being prepared. Those are all things that take lots of practice, no matter whether you're using your fist, you're using a knife, you're using nunchucks, you're using a gun. Whatever your weapon is, you have to be thoroughly trained in its use and using it in the most effective manner. This is something that you can't just, you know, it's easy. It's like buying a piece of exercise equipment. Buying it's the easy part. It's using it and using it and using it and using it that makes the difference. Just like with a gun. You can buy a gun, throw it in your nightstand drawer, and never touch it. And the chances are when you need it, it may be there, but will you know how to use it effectively? Like I say, there was the story of the guy who didn't keep his gun it wasn't. Lo- it was loaded with a magazine, but did not have one in the chamber. And he was fumbling, trying to load the chamber. And when this happened, he fumbled. He dropped the gun, and the the robber has shot him and his uh, other partner who was there at the time, because he. In fact, I think the the guy in the store who was tr- trying to load his gun, he ended up. He died. He got killed because he didn't have his he didn't have his gun chambered. And that's something, you know, a lot of people don't feel comfortable with that. If you don't feel comfortable with a chambered gun, then you have to realize if you have a situation where you're going to need it quickly, you're going to have to train to where you can do that second nature without hesitation and be able to do it firmly, quickly, without any delay at all. Otherwise, if you hesitate, you die. What is it? Didn't I think Maverick said that in Top Gun. You think, you die. That's... You know, and I understand what he's talking about. If you have to think about what you're going to do too much and it's not instinctual, that will cause you to hesitate and that can cause you to die. So don't do that. Train properly. Work on what you're going to do. If if you feel better, buy a weapon with a safety on it. So it has a manual safety you have to remove before firing. That way, in case you want to carry it with one in the chamber, but you want a little additional motion or something else to make sure it's going to be ready to fire and just doesn't fire with by accidentally hitting a trigger, have a manual safety on it. That may be just enough. And that's something you learn to do with one hand while your hand is on the gun. You don't have to remove one hand from the weapon to rack it or anything like that. So learn what you're going to do and practice, practice, practice. I know with ammo prices, practice is getting to be a little more difficult, but it's got to be done. There are a bunch of systems, which one of these days I'm going to get a look at a bunch of them and see if I can explain a few of them, get a few of them on the air maybe. But there are some non-firing systems that use lasers and special cartridges to actually help you shoot on a computer screen and show what you're doing. You get to practice your draw. You get to practice your firing. And dry firing on most center fire weapons is always a really good way to get very familiar with the gun. You know, put it in whatever holster you're going to carry. And if you don't have more than one holster, then either you found the perfect one the first time out, which is highly unusual. It can happen, but it's highly unusual. But it means you haven't really used it much if you have only one holster because you haven't tried different ones for different scenarios. That was something I actually wanted to try and talk about a little later today. First, I've got to get into one thing. The Supreme Court 
of America has accepted a a case challenging New York carry laws. Now, this is weird because New York does, they are not, they're what's called a May issue state. There are two types of um, issuing of permits that go on in the United States generally. There's a shall issue, which means if you qualify, if you meet certain requirements, if you're not a criminal, you're not a felon, you're a good upstanding citizen, they will issue you a permit. Basically, if, you could, if you're allowed to legally purchase a handgun, chances are you will get a permit in that state. Unless there's something on your record that draws some second looks or some, you know, scrutiny from someone, you will get a permit. And then there's May issue states. Now, in New York, the May issue is the biggest concern because they don't have any specific requirements. It's just it's arbitrary. It's random. You have to have you have basically have to have somebody in law enforcement or in the government who's willing to give you a recommendation or write you a letter or, you know, give a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge here or there in order to get you a, a permit to carry a weapon. So you can't just go in there and say, oh, well, I work at night. I need a weapon. No, that's not going to be enough. You need to know somebody. And apparently they got far enough with this case to where. Judges prior to the Supreme Court has said, no, this is a violation of the Second Amendment. You cannot restrict people from carrying a weapon. They need to be able to as part of self-defense. That's what this is all about, defending yourself against tyranny, against robbery, against anything that could be a threat to you, your family, your household. That's the kind of thing you want to carry a gun for. And you don't want to have to wait until you need it more than once. It's like a parachute. If you need a gun and you don't have one, chances are you may not need it again. Just like a parachute. If you need one and you don't have it, chances are you won't need it again. (laughs) So keep that in mind, and hopefully this will come out. I'd love to see this go the way of the Second Amendment and see that people are going to have the right to actually get a weapons permit. Because right now in New York, the procedure just to purchase a handgun, not to carry it, just to purchase it, is a 60-page application and a $300 application fee just to purchase a handgun. Now, that to me seems like a complete violation. Could you imagine if they had a 60-page application and a $300 fee just to register to vote, which is a right that is not spelled out in the Constitution? Nowhere does it say you have a right to vote. It says if there is an election, they cannot discriminate against you based on certain factors, but it doesn't say you have the right to vote. Well, it clearly says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and yet New York is taxing this right. How, how can they possibly get away with that? I don't know. Someone needs to challenge that also. But if this goes through, it's funny because the anti-gun people thought, oh, yeah, we've got this special thing set up where you can't get a gun permit. We're trying to limit the guns on the street. Well, you know what? Only law-abiding citizens are going to follow laws. And criminals are not the ones who just carry the guns. They're the ones who commit the crimes. And if you don't have any defense against criminals, then you're going to end up being a victim 90% of the time. So it's it's crazy, but the fact that these... These lawmakers think that they can limit these people so much as to not enable them to purchase or or have or carry a weapon with them is just, to me, ridiculous. Now, I had something else. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is a there's a California sheriff in Shasta County, which is one of the largest counties in California. It's about three times the square miles of Rhode Island. 
but it's only got about 200,000 residents spread out, spread out on the northern California area. So they say it may be difficult for police to quickly respond to service calls, even those that are a top priority because they have so few law enforcement based on the amount of square miles they have. So the new California sheriff in that county has decided they're going from a may issue to a shall issue policy for concealed carry. Now, California is one of the most difficult states to get a carry permit in because most people are in Los Angeles County, which is one of the biggest counties, and it covers a lot of square miles and covers a lot of the most populous parts of the county or of the state. So they still have a May issue. And, of course, getting that permit is nearly impossible because what they do is you're probably required to know somebody or have a – what they call a valid reason, verified this and that, and you probably have to have somebody sign off on it to say, yeah, this person might need to be able to carry a weapon, but it's still, it's very difficult to get it done. And this sheriff, he's going to go through and change in this county what is required to get a permit to be able to carry your weapon legally. Because that's what you want to do. I mean, it's funny because they think that this is going to keep guns off the street. It's only going to keep legal guns off the street. It's only going to keep people who are trained and well-qualified and who carry a gun to protect themselves, their families, their property. That's who it's going to keep guns out of the hands of. The regular citizens, the people who need it the most to defend themselves. It's not going to keep guns. There's not to keep... It's not going to keep guns out of the hands of criminals. Criminals will always get what they want to do what they want. And if you can't defend yourself against them, you just have to become a victim. There's no way around it. So hopefully this is a trend that we'll see in more of California. I would love to see them entirely go to a a shall-issue state. I doubt that's going to happen anytime soon because the southern half and the San Francisco part of the state are completely liberal and completely anti-gun. Except, of course, for the politicians. They probably have armed guards 24-7, and they probably have carry permits without any issue, like Diane Feinstein. She has a carry permit. I wonder who she had to talk to to get that, or did she just say she wanted one and it showed up at her door, probably without even having to fill out the application because she's a senator. you know. And politicians should not have any special rights that regular citizens don't. And this is just a perfect example of that. I mean, I don't know. She claimed she was in danger for her life. She was being threatened. So anybody else who's in the same situation should probably be able to get a permit just as quickly, just as effectively. But no, not California, not L.A. County or San Francisco. I don't even know what county that is. But uh, here in one county, at least, it's, it's a sparsely populated county, but it is rather large. They're going to a shall issue. Now, that's what I like to see happen in New York. If this case in New York goes the right way, that means anybody who can legally buy a handgun and has nothing in their background to prevent it can probably apply and get a carry permit. Now, I I would imagine that would lower the crime rate considerably. Imagine this. If you were a criminal and all of a sudden you go, wow, now some of my victims may be armed before I could pretty much count on them not having a gun, count on them not being able to defend themselves and me being able to take advantage of them. Now I'm going to have to choose more carefully. I may have to do a little profiling just to see if I can figure out, you know, does the guy with the, the grunt work shirt on, does he have a gun with him? Does the guy with the weedy shirt, does he have a gun with him? Does the guy with the rainbow shirt have a gun with him? He has to make these decisions and decide who he wants to go after. Because most criminals are lazy. They don't want to work too hard for what they're going to take from other people. 
So hopefully this will go through in New York. More of California will follow through. And anybody who's qualified, who has not broken the law, who is an upstanding citizen, should be able to get a weapons permit and carry their weapon with them. So we'll see. We'll have to follow this and see how this goes. I'm curious, especially about the New York case, because they have been... They have been tied up with this for years and years and years. And to me, the application fee has got to go. All right, we're going to be back after a couple of words. Uh, this is I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, then the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmvhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded. And you're still listening to America's Web Radio. Now I'm going to get into something real quick here that people ask me all the time. They ask me, how should I carry my gun? You know, how, how do I carry it most effectively? How do I, what should I do? And it's hard to say because it really depends on what you do with your day, what your positioning is. And it's a loaded question, pun intended, yes. But there are so many ways to do it. It'll depend on your daily routines, what kind of work you do, how much time you spend sitting, how much time you spend standing. Do you spend your days climbing trees? I mean, there are some places you probably shouldn't carry a weapon if you're at work. And other places where you may want to, but you're not sure what the most effective way to do it. So I'm going to run over a few of the standard ways to carry a weapon. And you can kind of decide or try different ways. If you find one is not comfortable or not effective for you, then try, try something else. It may be a matter, of, a matter of trial and error to get this right. I've gone through several different things, and depending on the weather, too, it makes a difference. In the wintertime, you have more bulky clothes on. You can usually carry and cover stuff a lot better. In the summertime, when you're wearing a pair of shorts, obviously, if you're wearing shorts in the summertime, you're not going to do an ankle carry because that would be exposed. And I always, always, always will tell you, carry concealed. Carrying open is fine if you're out in a field somewhere or you're in a rural area and what you're concerned about is coyotes or wild pigs or snakes. That's fine. But against two-legged creatures, you do not want to have your gun exposed if you're sitting there in a restaurant. Because if someone's casing the place to rob it, they're going to pick you out as a target first if you're wearing a gun outside open instead of concealed. Concealed always gives you the the ability to surprise somebody and that's what you want to do you want to have that first strike capability you want to have nobody know it's there until they need to know it's there and it also depends on what kind of weapon you want to carry you want something really small like a tiny little 380 with six rounds in it is that enough for you you want to keep that in a holster in a pocket 
That's, that may be all you need. You want to carry a full-size weapon? You're going to have to carry it either inside the waistband, outside the waistband, on a belt somewhere. So that means anytime you go out, you're going to have to be wearing a good quality stiff leather belt or a belt that has stiffeners in it. I have a nylon belt also that has stiffeners in it to make it stiff enough to carry a holster properly. And that's another way to carry. But if that's what you want to do, you have to be prepared to do that. You're going to need a decent holster and a belt. And you need to wear that belt everywhere you want to carry that gun. So keep that in mind. Also, it depends on how you dress. If you're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, it might be easier to carry a gun some ways than if you're wearing a suit and tie and a dress shirt. Because the material of a suit and tie will imprint much more than will a pair of jeans. So you have to beware of what's showing also. Now, granted, even if you're carrying concealed, someone who's trained to look for it can tell if you're carrying, generally speaking. They can look. They see outlines. They look for, they look for certain things. And if you're carrying, they may be able to tell. Sometimes they can. If the clothes are baggy enough or you have enough experience carrying where you know that you're not going to print because you have clothes that will cover it up better, that makes a difference. And sometimes you just don't care. You know, you cover it up the best you can. If it shows, well, it shows. You know, you're not around, you, hopefully you're not around criminals or it's not showing all the time. Every now and then they may get a glimpse of something. And hopefully nobody that sees it will freak out and panic and decide to call the police or do something stupid. So that's something you have to consider, though. But try, you know, you can carry on a waistband, for instance. But depending on whether you're sitting all day or whether you're in your car all day, whether you're standing all day, will determine the position. Because everyone thinks, oh, waistband, just stick it in the front of your pants. Inside the waistband, appendix carry is one way to do that. You can do that if you have a way where you, even if you're sitting down, you can if your body is built for that or if the gun is not too big. You can carry it inside the waistband as appendix carry, which is right in the front to the, either the right or left side, depending on which whether you're right or left-handed, and you carry it in a holster just inside your just inside your belt in the front of your pants. Then there's a hip carry. You want to carry it to the right or left side, depending on whether you're right or left-handed, and you want to be able to draw that weapon straight up and flip it forward and get a bead on something. And that's an easier way to carry, but it's also harder to conceal, generally speaking. Now, if you're really slim and slender, it's easier to carry a gun concealed on the waistband because you have less interference, let's call it. Because I, I know I have some interference, so I have a harder time carrying like that. Now, if you're not sitting down all day, it makes it easier, easier to carry on the waistband, too. Another way would be small of the back. Now, this requires a certain type of holster. Basically, if you're drawing with your right hand from small of the back, that holster is probably going to be an inside-the-waistband left-handed holster. But you're going to wear it small of the back, which is right there in the middle of your back, hooked on your belt, and you're going to draw it from your back. Now, this, you just have to be careful with your draw. Because when you draw from the small of the back, you've got to make sure that muzzle goes clear of your body, clear of anybody next to you. So you basically want to draw, have it pointed down, and bring it up to bear on target from that position. And that's something you're going to have to practice. Or if you carry in more than one position, depending on what you're doing, you need to practice drawing from that holster in every position that you carry. There's got to be a way you can do that because you don't want to be at a disadvantage if it comes to drawing your weapon. And there's an older style of carrying, which I don't see it much anymore. I guess there are some people who still do it. But there are shoulder holsters, which basically go over the shoulder and go underneath your arm, between your arm and your chest. 
If you're right-handed, generally you're carrying under your left arm. If you're left-handed, you're going to carry under your right arm because the butt of the gun is going to stick out forward while the barrel points straight down. You're going to peel the gun out, turn it around, and bring it to bear on target. Now, this is something also you have to be careful because when you draw this weapon out, it would be easy to flag yourself or others. So you have to be cautious when doing this. This is something, again, that just requires the training. You have to practice it. And you can do this at home. Practice drawing with an unloaded weapon. And I stress, unloaded weapon, at least until you feel comfortable drawing. Because that's a skill that must be mastered if you're going to carry a weapon. Now, sometimes you want to carry it in a separate bag. You know, you carry it in a pouch or a bag or something like that where if you have clothes on where you can't conceal it or your waistband isn't strong enough to hold it or you're not, you don't want to wear a shoulder holster because you're not wearing a jacket, you want to have a way to carry it concealed and still carry it with you. And right now especially, most people do not look twice at a person who's carrying some sort of pouch or some sort of bag, especially if you put other things in it. Put your wallet in it, put your phone in there, put some keys in there, and they'll think it's just like a man purse or a woman purse. You know, with women, they have a purse. They usually carry one all the time. Perfect place to conceal a weapon. And they actually have purses that are made with special pouches in them to conceal weapons. These are built specifically for carrying a gun for women. So if you're a woman and you're interested in carrying a gun in your purse, buy the proper purse. I've heard too many stories of people fumbling around in their purse, women fumbling around the purses and accidentally pull the trigger of a weapon while it was just thrown in the purse. At least have it in a holster and make sure it's a stiff holster. Now, drawing from a holster while coming out of a purse is a whole different story. That's difficult to do because you usually have to put a little downward pull on the holster to draw the weapon out if it's not attached to a waistband or something like that, unless it's a soft leather holster where it comes out easily. But then again, you're going to have to basically strip the holster off in order to get it drawn. So pay attention to all these things when you carry a weapon, how you're going to carry it, what size gun you're going to have, you know, what position you're going to be in while you're at work, while you're you know playing, while you're at home. And then you have to decide what if you are you going to be able to access it if from either side if you have one side that becomes a problem like say you're pushed up against something with your right arm you're right-handed are you going to be able to get that gun out with your left hand if something happens to your right hand right hand can you draw with your left hand in a right-handed draw position if you haven't thought about this think about it and practice it what you have to do sometimes is pull it up just enough to flip it around towards you grab the butt and away you go but you have to practice. It's not just going to happen. You're not going to, you don't want to get in a situation where you're panicking because you don't have use of your right arm and that left arm is there and you can't figure out how to draw your weapon because it's in a right handed carry position. Practice it. Practice everything. This is something that they do in a lot of advanced pistol classes. They will teach you if you have one arm that's disabled, how to rack the gun, how to reload, how to carry it, how to, where to put it when you want to do a reload how to get it out of the standard holster or or, or if you're shooting it and you need to move and you need to put the gun away and you only have your your weak hand figure out how to put it back in the holster even if it's just temporary in a way that you'll be able to draw it back out with your weak hand because most holsters are made very specifically for right or left hand draw there's very few that you can grab from either side usually appendix carry is probably the easiest one to become an ambidextrous sort of carry. 
And that, to me, is is one of the scariest places to carry because of where it's pointed when it's in there. You got that right in the front of your right to the right or left side of your belly button there, and it's pointed straight down into the nether regions. And you do not want to have an accident with that. Again, though, if you feel uncomfortable carrying it there, don't do it. Do what feels comfortable for you, and what works with your your work, your home, your scenario that you're going to be carrying this weapon in. Make sure whatever you choose works well with it. Again, if you're in a car, you may have a different scenario than if you're riding a motorcycle. On a motorcycle, that gun has to be much more secure than in the car. In the car, if it slips out of a holster, it's in the car. On a motorcycle, it slips out of the holster, it's in the street. So be aware of that also. How are you going to carry this thing? What kind of things are you going to be doing during the day? You know, what's the most comfortable and yet most effective? So consider that. I say in the easy way, if you want to carry a small weapon in a pocket, that's an easy thing to start with. But make sure it's got a holster. You don't want the trigger exposed because you don't want to accidentally have a key or something go in and pull the trigger when you're not paying attention to it or when it's shuffling around in your pocket. Unless you have a dedicated pocket for it, that would be even better. So be aware of this. Concentrate on what you're going to do. Try different things. It doesn't have to be just one way. You know, you have to decide which way is going to be the way that you feel comfortable with, that you think you could train the most effectively. And if you get a chance, try several of them. Once you master one, try and master others. That way you'll just have more tools in your toolbox, more things you can learn to use, more ways to carry your gun effectively, and be able to use it when the time comes. So that's all I can tell you on this is, you know, there's so many factors. There's no right way or wrong way to do this. Always do it safely and always do it in a way that's comfortable for you that gives you good access. You know, if you carry in a great little place but you can't get to it or you have to unzip, unsnap, unvelcro something to get it out, are you able to do that fast enough to make it effective? Have you practiced doing that or do you just figure, well, when the time comes, I'll have to dig it out or I don't care if I have, you know, complete access to it. I'm more concerned in an emergency where I have time. Well, I, I hope that you have the time you need if you decide to carry it completely concealed, covered up, zipped into an area like that. I hope you have the time to get done what you need to do before you have to draw that weapon. So just practice it. And you're going to need different holsters for different types of carry. So be aware of this. Try a couple different things. See what works best for you. If something's uncomfortable, move to something else. But practice drawing from all your positions. All right, I'm Roger B. This has been Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.